0: begin our webinar welcome to the BID webinar 6th uh, or 7th on energy so let's see how we can begin uh, well um, welcome everybody we have got a webinar I think 6th or 7th this time we are going to talk about energy innovations I think I'll wait for the speakers to convince me that there is such a thing as an energy innovation in Pakistan, because quite frankly, I'm of the view that we can't innovate in anything, leave on energy. So I think um, this is a challenge. Let the speakers convince us that we can have innovation in uh, energy, and we will uh, agree with that. So we've got a wonderful panel for you. Um, uh, as You people have been here. You we've know, got. Uh, Ms. Um, Amina Malik, Renewable Energy Consultant, World Bank. We've got Dr. Um, Sabah Beg, Head Energy Research Center, ComSATS. We've got Amjad Awan, former CEO of AEDB. And then we've got um, uh, Nehroel Shafiq, Senior Chief Officer of NEPRA. And Ahmed Durani, uh, President of B Energy, a former um, World Bank. And Shahid Sattar, uh, ED Aptma a former member Energy and a well-known energy expor, expert. You might be people uh, before. Uh, let me also say that this webinar is in conjunction with NEPRA. We thank NEPRA for partnering with us. NEPRA is always a good partner. They always allow for open discussion, which is a very good thing for a
1: regulator to do.
0: So my salute to NEPRA. <clears throat> we need...
1: So you really need to talk a bit louder because I mean, your voice is audible, but not really audible, meaning it's that.
0: Really audible. Okay. Voluble. Okay. Okay. Let me see if I can do anything about
2: it. See.
0: Just one second. Let me see if there's something I can do at this end. Oh, no wonder. Is this better? Hello? Is this better? Much better? Much better? Good. I think there was something wrong in the controls. Okay. Anyways, folks, so there we are. We will, inshallah, have a good webinar. Let's see if these people tell us about energy innovations. Uh, Armina Malik, can I start with you? Since you have to go early, can you tell us if there is any energy innovation possible in Pakistan? Or are you just... Are you just talking about the elsewhere, the rest of the world? I mean, Amalik, please.
3: Assalamu uh, alaikum, Nageem and uh, the rest of the participants. And thank you, Nageem sah, for the opportunity to speak again um, mm-hmm. during these energy webinars. Um, innovation is possible uh, because energy innovation is a te- technology application. Um, the state of the art globally is such that... Uh, There has been significant innovation along the value chain of uh, the power sector. And there are now technologies available um, from generation uh, to transmission, distribution, and then also on the demand side or behind the meter that can uh, digitize and automate the entire value chain of uh, the power industry. And these technologies have now been around. Some have been around for several decades already. Uh, Most are market tested and ready to use as we speak. So on the generation side, um, innovation is in uh, the types of fuel that we can use for energy production. Renewable energy is one example. And um, some renewables, such as solar and wind, have a significant foothold in Pakistan already. proving that deployment of these innovative technologies is possible, even in a developing country setting, with very little uh, infrastructure in terms of service infrastructure to help uh, or assist deploy these uh, technologies. When the wind market uh, uh, first took shape in Pakistan um, nearly uh, a decade and a half ago, There were very few companies locally that could provide services to the wind industry. So, for instance, during the project development process from legal services to financial services to technical services. And in the beginning, we uh, depended mostly on importing uh, services uh, for for renewables. However, uh, the local industry ramped up fairly quickly. And we're now at a point where almost all the professional services are also available locally in Pakistan. And the only thing that we don't do enough of or at all is manufacture otherwise almost every um, aspect of the supply of the generation supply chain uh, we have a fairly good grip on uh, as far as wind and solar are concerned so that's an example of innovation on the generation side on the transmission side some of the cutting edge generation uh, transmission technologies um, include smart wires for instance or metering infrastructure on distribution transformers. And these are also technologies that are already being deployed globally and are market tested. Uh, But it is a matter of resources rather than uh, anything else. Pakistan easily, the transmission grid in Pakistan could easily uh, adopt some of these technologies and could benefit from them. However, uh, there is the issue of uh, the cost of uh, this particular kind of upgrade for the transmission network. On the distribution side, again, AMR and AMI is an established technology now um, that can find application in Pakistan as well. But then again, cost is uh, a factor to consider. And then there are behind the meter technologies as well. For instance, the internet of things uh, or, the digitization of appliances, etc., that would enable demand response um, industries. So these are all examples of technologies that exist and can be deployed in Pakistan. However, as with all things uh, that require an upfront, an upfront capital expenditure, um, cost is a factor that I believe keeps uh, the, the companies uh, that are in the in the sector from adopting these technologies.
0: Amina, are you finished or are you still going?
3: No, that's my two bits. Right.
0: Okay, great, wonderful. Thank you, Amina. That is wonderful. So there is possibility of energy innovation, basically which is copying the rest of the world, okay, fair enough. I'll accept that, but we'll go in a little further into that. So, shall I bring in Mr. Uh, Amir Durani here? Amir, go ahead. Amir, I could hear Amir fine, but now I can't seem to hear him. Amir, are you going to unmute? I don't think Amir can hear us. Can somebody please call him? Okay. Amjad sir, yeah. Amjad sir, former CEO ADB. Thank
4: you very much, Dr. Uh, I think, first of all, I would uh, like to. So uh, sorry, I can hear
1: you. Let Amjad go forward. Okay.
4: Uh, are, you, are, you, are you hearing me? Need, Am I audible need, right now? We
0: can hear you, Amjad. sir. We can hear you. Go ahead. Thank you.
4: Uh, Dr. sir. Uh, uh, first of all, I will be uh, thankful and have for bringing me this opportunity to speak on this uh, subject. And I appreciate uh, Pine and uh, Nappara for arranging this kind of seminar because normally or conventionally, we talk about the supply and demand of energy, project management, financial issues, but we rarely touch upon this critical uh, aspect of technology and innovation. And I believe this has a colossal impact on every aspect of energy utility in uh, our country, be it a business, be it our uh, cost reduction issues, be it it the negative and positive externalities, and even the policies. Uh, And I believe that uh, while we talk about innovation, it doesn't mean only the technological innovation, but it uh, has a broad range of things. For example, the new and innovative business models, uh, new kind of build infrastructure, new kind of technologies, innovative kind of pitching your incentives for the investors and how you are viewing the energy market in your country. So this all are the ingredients of the innovation along with the technological innovation in our country. So I think now uh, we should understand that uh, what is the uh, our country's current track and business as usual where we are standing. So some of the figure, and you know it very well, that right now the circular debt surpasses 2, uh, two trillion rupees and uh, we are actually depending 70% of our energy dependence on the imported and conventional thermal resources. Uh, around uh, 1132 billions are the receivables on the part of discos. This is the situation. And we are right now in our country where the uh, cost of energy, the tariff, is 30 40% higher than our uh, regional counterparts. And so, we are the expensive, actually, uh, tariff owners in this region. And then the losses, if you take in mind the, all the te- technical T&D commercial losses, the aggregate value surpasses 35 percent, highest in this region. And right now, the share of renewable in our country is hardly 4 to 5 percent, and we are getting benefit out of it. Only 1 percent of energy uh, wind and solar that is being utilized, despite the deployment of 4 to 5 percent. So this is the situation. And secondly, we must understand that why we are going and talking about energy innovation, uh, there are certain considerations and market needs, market vacuums that we want to fill through this. The global motivation for any energy innovation are the cost, is the environment and the energy security. These are the key considerations to go for energy innovations at global level. In our country, the situation is this, as I mentioned, uh, there should be some key considerations. And the question is, if somebody asks, why we should go for energy innovation? Why we should avoid the business as usual, the current uh, theme of the things? Three or four key considerations that we should take in mind. The first, we are the resource-constrained economy and we should appreciate the cost reduction and cost disruptive tanks. So all those technology, which are going to reduce our cost of generation transmission distribution, we should go for this. Secondly, our heavy dependence on imports, we should avoid this. And third thing, the environmental consideration and our growing pressure on Pakistan to meet its environmental targets, these are the three considerations for that we should go for the energy uh, innovations. So now, uh, uh, beyond these things, uh, uh, what are the global trends right now in terms of renewable energy? Some key themes I would like to mention in the world, for example, uh, more positive response towards renewables. Uh, now, the world is shifting from the centralized energy management to the hybrid uh, and off-grid management of things. EV, uh, electronic, electrical vehicles is a new trend. Storage technologies, competitive technologies, these are the new things, in IOE, we often speak about internet of energy to employ energy uh, management systems, a range of sensors, smart grid, so that your consumer must integrate the response through storage, through RE resources, and grid appropriately. This is the growing trend in the country right now, in the world right now. So now, if you take, in mind the, uh, take into consideration the current RE approach in the world, it is, I think, startling. Uh, more than 2.7 trillion dollars have been invested since 2010 to 2020 in renewable energy, excluding hydro, only in the geothermal, uh, wind, and solar these kind of technologies. And uh, the year 19, uh, 2019, previous year, more than 184 gigawatt of wind and solar were deployed uh, in the world. 18 gigawatt was solar, and uh, wind drive with the 61 gigawatt. And uh, offshore wind, as most people talk about last year, $29.9 billion were invested in the offshore. And not talking about the developed country, but the uh, developing economies are more rigorously following this track with $152 trillion invested in 2019, whereas the developed world only invested 130, uh, $130 billion. So the growing economies, are going more towards renewable energy right now. In the
5: cost reduction, 70, uh, more than 83% of cost reduction
4: in solar has been witnessed since last uh, one decade. And uh, 51 to 49, 51% in terms of offshore and uh, onshore wind. And uh, more than 78% of the new energy was installed through wind and solar in the world last year. So these are the global trends. In Pakistan, uh, we are still staggering around 4 to 5% of renewable energy in our national grid, uh, whereas uh, I think it's much required, we are only utilizing 1% share uh, of the renewable energy in our grid-connected systems. So this is the situation, and one thing I would like to add further, uh, many people blame the policies, uh, That policies are not appropriate in the country. But here the problem is manifold. The state ownership should be there. I, I don't think the proper state ownership is there to go for the energy innovations. Secondly, uh, institutions are uh, performances in front of us. Nobody is taking these changes along. Uh, and further to this, the institutional accountability, that's lacking. So all these factors right now are missing, which are stopping us from entering into more innovative trends and processes. Uh, So now, finally, uh, what should Pakistan do? I mean, the most immediately, we should follow the global trends of decarbonizing the economy, because if we approach towards decarbonized economy, these are the cheapest resources available at our end, and these are the indigenously available resources at our end. So at the same time, we are achieving triple impact of indigenizing the economy, lowering the cost of generation, and a decentralized approach. This all is combined with renewable energy right now, and further to this, uh, it, its impact will be lowering the dependence on our import. And definitely, we will be uh, moving more rigorously into the regime of energy independence and energy security. Thank you very
0: much, Amjad sir. Uh, thank you very much. It's, it's a wide-ranging sort of. Um, uh, you made a number of very interesting points, but let me just quickly ask you before I move on to the panel. EDB has been around. Since Bhutto's time, if I remember right.
4: Yes,
0: you're right. So if he did a sort of evaluation of AEDB, yeah. what would you say? What has it contributed since Bhutto's time?
4: Thank you very much, uh, think, Sir. You asked a very pertinent question. And let me tell you, AEDB is functional since 2003. And almost uh, 17 years. I joined... You know, I thought, I,
0: I thought the AEDB was there in Bhutto's time.
4: No, 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 1990s, no, 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 right? no, 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 no. It was in two thousand three. It was formed, and in two thousand six was the first year when we had a renewable energy policy in the country. Okay. And since two thousand three to two thousand fifteen, we had the footprint of only two sixty four megawatt combined solar. Okay. My tenure was actually two thousand fifteen hmm. to two thousand nineteen, hmm. and during this phase, uh, more than nineteen hundred megawatt. Was deployed. We crossed one gigawatt of deployed connected wind energy and solar, and we test upon also the uh, gas sector and more than uh, 2, 250 megawatt of installed. So uh, within that frame of four years, more than 85 percent of presently deployed energy was actually met. So now onwards, uh, there are some issues. Uh, I don't know, but during my period, we achieved these kinds of uh, achievements. Mm-hmm. The key problem in Pakistan is this, we are failing in terms of integrating the renewables with the rest of best of conventional technologies because of the fluctuating and intermittent trends of the renewable resource potential. Second important thing I would like to highlight in this forum is the mindset and inertia which is not allowing these technologies to enter mm-hmm. uh
0: this, Yes. Yes. Did- thank you thank you very much thank you very much thank you thank you let me now go to amir durani amir sir let me just quickly ask you this are we only talking of solar and wind here only renewables or is there any other energy innovation i mean that's energy copying do you have any innovations
1: thank you very much i hope you can everybody can hear me Mm -hmm. and can see my screen yeah we can
0: hear you we can
1: see your screen. So I, uh, as usually took some liberties and to answer your question, uh, you know, the, you start with the question that is there only wind and um, solar. The answer to that is no, there's no wind and solar. I think this is just uh, following certain trends that are either imposed or exactly what we study two years back in university and we follow them. I I, I really like Ranjit Saab's uh, tenor. I think he has done more for uh, renewable energy in Pakistan than most people at ADB. Uh, but unfortunately, um, I think the, this, this is not uh, you don't closet or cloister these issues inside certain silos called ADB. These are issues that are macro and they are concerning multiple sectors. And I think the political narrative for innovation to take place. Uh, so I took the liberty, Nadim Sab, of actually putting together a few slides okay. which are basically going to focus on why the political narrative and innovation is not happening because honestly, there is no innovation in Pakistan currently. And I think Ermina uh, very uh, sort of uh, superficially mentioned these things. I think she needs to give us an idea of why this is not. It's not because there is a, a cost issue. I think we, let's talk about it. So I think let's try, try and talk about power beyond politics in Pakistan, the issues and some thoughts on that. And I think for that, first I need to uh, you know sort of remind, remind all of us, you guys know this, the people like Ramjad and Shahid Satar and everybody, but. For the other audience listening, uh, relatively what's the energy demand uh, trend happening? What's happening with energy as we go forward? So we need, we, we, we must say that no matter what you pick up in terms of IEA or McKenzie or whatever, there are peaking energy demands, but um, so in other words, gold power and fuels and fossil fuels, they have different peaks, some at 2040, some at 2030, if you believe some of the data, but mostly these are going to uh, taper off. But however, power demand stays and the growth of it stays stable. There are multiple reasons for that, which I think all of can. but you know, really one of them is rise in renewables. As the primary source of power, almost 50% of power predicted in the future is from renewables. And this is not just including hydro, these are mostly predictions are based on what we call new renewables, although hydro is also renewable. Uh, we're also looking at efficiency gains. We're also looking at you know, falling demand, especially coal demand alone, uh, is predicted to fall by 40% overall. That changes the sort of the map of the sector. Um, I think the other important thing is the steady growth in the power sector demand globally will stay because of switching to electrons. Uh, peripheral impacts are transport, buildings, and obviously industries and services. Um, I think from a, a important point to say is that the question I have for everybody, and I think you and I can't answer that actually, and I wanted to just Forum to discuss. Having said that, globally, government stays a major player in energy investments. And I think that uh, is something that we need to be thinking about when we also talk about government's role in the power sector in Pakistan. I think the other important thing as we go ahead is to just not forget that we all have, the whole world has commitments through the SDG 7. And I just wanted to remind people what these were because it talks of access, it increased the share of renewables and doubled the rate of improvement in energy efficiency. And I find these goals extremely lacking, and I'll explain why in the next slide. Because you know the emerging shape of power sector, if you, if you really start thinking about it, uh, is it will be impacted by what we call access, availability and accept- acceptability. And I think that uh, the SDGs only take care of a certain part of it. Because when we talk of access, we're really talking about affordability and sustainability. Uh, are you able to sustain an affordable rate? Availability is really all around quality and reliability. And acceptability is, uh, will the political consensus accept these changes? So it's not the user <laughs> accepting, but it's, it's really certain changes that people have to accept that, no, we will not do coal again. Uh, yes, it matters non-commercial use of, ener- you know, a percentage of energy used through wood and fossil fuels uh, has to go down. But at the end, what this really means uh, is uh, societal attitudes and mean preferences, whether by value or volume, and really the meaning of growth. If you look at some of the really amazing stuff coming out of some of the, the Boston Triangle and also from Germany, is people are starting to question the need for growth and therefore the need of the type and continuity of energy and power especially that we need to know. And last but not least, everyone is now talking about macro policies. So you don't go head on just because you are ADB and say, let's have electric vehicles all along. And you convince and you screw that every other sector, I can give you some examples and questions and answers, don't want to waste time. I mean, the great example in Pakistan right now on the inability of thought at the macro level is the, the Saiwal coal fire plant and the impact on Pakistan railways and vice versa and coal-fired power plants impact environmentally and on the power sector debt. I hope somebody writes that down, but let's talk about it. But I think global, the thing which gets us to Pakistan is that even now, despite all the numbers that were given by uh, the the ex-ADB CEO, global non-commercial energy use is not sustainable. 14% of total final energy is coming from what we call fuel, wood, crop, waste, animal, and animal dung. Now, let me give you a comparison. This is 12% of the global primary energy supply, but more importantly, it is twice the total hydropower energy supply in the world, and six times that supplied by new renewables. Now, this is, a, this is something to wrap one's mind around, because I think this really holds the key to environment, health, and human growth, whether we look at mines or means. Which then brings us to Pakistan. So my last few slides are essentially after having set the global context, I'm gonna talk about non commercial energy in Pakistan. And this is what I call the MEMS. Some of you are already bored with this term which we coined about three years ago, but this is called the missing energy millions. So we all know why the SDG was set up, one billion globally, 80 to 100 million in Pakistan, almost a 10th of these missing energy millions are actually in Pakistan. Now, how does that come out? Is it a case of poor accounting? Or poor planning. But because the thing is, when we talk about it, if you look at the energy access data on the World Bank website, it is really skewed. And we have been questioning why it says Pakistan has 95, because basically the way they categorize energy access power access is wherever a line is passing and they count all the households underneath. So except the actual reality, and this is also coming from World Bank SMAP data, so there's a contradiction in how the bank looks at things in particular Uh, Context: 70 million Pakistan is not on the grid. 75 million urban and rural grid connected face daily 12-hour rotational blackouts. So, in other words, 140 million of the 220 are directly and indirectly impacted or do not have the access. Now, I do agree that yes, a lot of the MEMS market is primarily rural or peri-urban with very little semi-urban footprint, right? And. um, Actually, when you look at, and the reason, one thing to note here is that when we talk of innovation and and delivering and access and availability, uh, the whole idea is that even CPEC, the so-called CPEC, really talks nothing about the 70 million energy impoverished. So what are we looking at here? We are looking at innovations required for about, you know, at current energy use per capita, we are looking at an 11, 12,000 megawatt market, but at global energy use uh, standards, we're looking at a 100,000 megawatt market, and it's growing, right? So we are, we've talked about this, but uh, I think that none of what our current policies take, the matiari policy take the, you know, the whole access issues and how the government looks at it, totally ignores those who don't have access. So what, what do we do? So I think that globally, one of the things that is coming out uh, is the decentralization of power, with community approaches is really supported by government is the way the world is handling this problem. And, you know, you can give me examples of of countries, uh, singular examples. You can go to Egypt, you can go to Kenya, you can give me an example of some small island called Renato. You can give me, but at the end of the day, an average, if you look at it, uh, entrepreneurship and community approaches are playing a great deal in supplying the missing power. Now, Pakistan, uh, the innovation that's needed here is it needs a similar vision with solving the problem uh, with while solving. So, in other words, the problem is when we start thinking of innovation in power, we couple power sector debt and our thoughts, so it gets clouded. In other words, we take some traditional narratives and then try to go to the future. And actually, really, um, it sounds passe, but actually, real out of the box thinking is now required in the power sector. Why? I'll give you one example. Um, You know, a lot of the people in Pakistan think that the reason we have this lack of access is because the poor can't afford. And I've been harping on this, that you read any study, you can do it at the micro level at a village, which we have done for, let's say, Tata and Sin, or you can do it at a national level, which was done by SMAP in 2014. Uh, You know, roughly two to three billion dollars are just being spent on candles and kerosene by the poor. So this whole question of affordability should be thrown out, and this is where the innovation should start. Um, another important point, I think, and you know these slides will be available for everybody to just to keep this within seven to 10 minutes. I think the point I want to show you is the next slide. Current approaches even towards the poor are unviable. This is a small uh, sort of analysis we did of the current solar home solution being provided by the you know who through the Pakistan microfinance institutions. Um, and supported by Telenor, supported by uh, you know, you know everybody, etc. Right? So these solar home solutions, if you look at the, what they cost the poor are actually four times the average tariff on the grid. Um, this was last year, so it was 48 PKR per per unit. And you know, this really does shock you that you know, while you are unable to not just give access, what the way you are approaching access is is actually un, 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 it's not thought about properly. Um, so the main problem with electricity and I, I really thought I would put something but this is really the statement I want everyone to absorb. The main problem with electricity vision is that we are looking at it from the point of view of supply and must supply with ideas emanating from a state of practice rather than collectively envisioned state of future collaborating with priorities of what we think. So Pakistan technically is unable to visualize its power future independent of the narratives which are either sent by some donors or by some individuals. And I think that is cracking of Pakistan. So what the three slides on what to do next? First and foremost, we must develop a macro visualization on future of Pakistan, keeping the politics at bay. And what do I mean by keeping? First, understand the macro picture. Look at what is going to be the future in the next, let's say, don't go to 50 years. Who knows what's going to take 10, 15, 30 year horizons and look at transport buildings, industry services alongside energy. And simply do uh, what we call a back of the envelope model. Please decide on a single point source at your house or the industry. Forget this shit about telling, uh, sorry for using that, I take that back. Um, Forget about, you know, I'll send gas to you, I'll send electricity to you, I'll send water to you, I'll send blah, blah, blah to you. And yes, I'll also provide 10 types of fuel for your car that's, you know, this is not the way the world is thinking. Why are we still beholden to this thought? And I think somebody needs to look at this in the context of a sunk cost analysis. In other words, what if we just abandon this and go forward because at 2 trillion, uh, the current power sector debt of ESCOM uh, of, of, uh, uh, South, uh, South Africa is about five times that. And this is the kind of thought and thinking that some of the energy leaders there are talking about, just sink just all this, right? And nobody has actually done that calculation that what if we sink all this and start anew. Don't be veiled by detailed modeling. So every time, you know, this happened in the 90s, I think Shah Satar will tell you it happened while he was there or he, he inherited some system. Uh, all this detailed macro modeling is a piece of crap. I think we need back of the envelope thinking on collectively. On the power generation fuel mix, let national priorities lead there are many, many people outside the UN and the Bretton Woods system who still believe that nuclear energy cannot and should not have been abandoned for the density of energy provision that it does. So in other words, we have not yet brought real technology uh, to play there, right? Um, let communities handle power. So in other words, you know, the other thing is the central grid um, is what it is, right? It has bought us many good things, many quality improvements in the 20th century. It needs to be rethought. You cannot have uh, you know, the same, or you need to abandon some of the grid. You need to start thinking of localized grids because without that, even the concept of alternate or renewable, the new renewables is not possible. And you know, let communities handle power locally. They are very good at doing it. And I think this whole decentralization has to go further but the, this, this NEPRA, all this, all these institutions need to be closed. I mean, fundamentally sh- shut. Um, and second last, we need to reshape the political narrative around power. You know, while cutting this IPP nuptial cord. You know, we are so. We, who do we go to ask for our power consultations? We go to the very people who are the cause of it, right? Is this not incest? Is this not conflict? I don't think any proper thinking process would allow this kind of thought prevailing. And you know, so that. So number one is rethink and renegotiate all IPPs, afford sunk costs and cut this cord forever because we cannot have a future uh, at the kind of ROEs and must buy kind of power agreements. And you know if they hang with us for 20 years, Pakistan will be sunk. Let's not do that. Uh, you know let them take us to court. I even say that let's do this analysis properly. Inform a change. You know, stop listening to Jankos and industries. Go bespoke. Don't paint the whole of Pakistan with one white brush. If I travel north, I can tell you you need a different strategy. If I train Sindh, you need a different strategy. R and D on this narrative should be outside traditional power opinion makers. Outside, right? It has to be in a center which is independent, right? Lose this obsession with the Indus Cascade. Stop adding mass renewable energy to the grid just because Dubai got it at 1.2 cents. This is a losing narrative. Now, let me tell you what will happen. And I've just taken some clippings from the newspaper to end the talk. So Germany right now at PPP is the 16th highest power cost in the world. In 2014, 70% of all German households live in poverty due to an energy cost explosion. So this is the country that is ahead of the frontier, ahead of the curve. Uh, and it has it has gone politically wild in terms of adopting renewables, shutting down nuclear. So I think Pakistan should tread carefully in following global trends and solutions. And I think that's all, Nadim Saab. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you, Ahmed. Thank you. Thank you. You set up a whole research agenda. I'm obviously very um, enamored of that. I'd like that. And I think, yes, we need a lot of research and planning. But you kept saying this thing, we. I am always kind of taken aback when you mention we. Because uh, our policymakers don't even talk to us. So our thinkers don't even talk to us. So who's this we? I mean, this we that I keep hearing in Pakistan, as if this we exists. Amir, there is no we. And there is no thinking. Nobody thinks in this country. There's no research agenda in this country. So with that, let me turn to, um, let me turn to Madam Sobia, Dr. Sobia Beg, Dr. Saiba, you are the head of the energy research center in COMSATS. Who is this we that amar talks about? And where is this research going to happen? As far as I'm concerned, there's not a single energy research center in the country. As far as I'm concerned, there's no demand for energy research. Even if we do any energy research, nobody buys it. So Dr. Saiba.
6: Okay, thank you, Amir Thank you very much for inviting me for this uh, webinar. It's it's uh, It's been very informative listening to uh, three of the speakers right now. And when you talk about we, and uh, we actually means the, uh, the people uh, who are concerned for Pakistan, including the researchers like us. So we are the researchers and you're quite right when you say when we do our part of the research, when we do our bit, uh, the, the think tanks which are not actually there, that should be formulating the policies. Uh, they, our, our research is not listened to or applied or even implemented later on. So, uh, however, uh, we, uh, or you can say our researchers, all of us are doing our own bit in our own isolated, uh, you can say, uh, areas. And uh, the one thing I think that brought out uh, that I can conclude from Amrishabh's, uh presentation in his talk was uh, one word is synergy. So what he's been telling us is that uh, uh, we need to synergize our efforts when we talk about macro policies and when we talk about policies that need to focus not only just one sector of energy or just they uh, they don't need to focus on uh, industry or just big power players. So we need to synergize our efforts and that synergy is actually what is needed right now. Now, to coming back to the topic of energy innovations, uh, uh, we have uh, a lot of work going on in, in centers. When you said that there are no research centers, there are centers uh, which are doing their own bit of work. Uh, I am uh, heading one right now in COMSATS University. One is in, uh, you can say, in Nas, Islamabad. One is recently set up in Lums. So academia on its, its part is trying to play its role. However, what we need is synergy with the industry and synergy with the government that can listen to uh, what we we are trying to put together. Uh, The best optimal solution for the energy policy of Pakistan would not only be my proposed one, it it would be something which should be uh, acceptable to all. So when we look at uh, uh, the fact that uh, there are energy, when we say there are no energy innovations, yes, There are no energy innovations in the sense that uh, we are not actually uh, taking the research from the academia and trying to implement it. Uh, In case of energy research, when I uh, talk about what I have been, because I just recently took over the center, uh, we have been focusing our uh, attention on energy digitization. So you see, uh, what we need is actually, when you, uh, you don't have the complete clear picture of the energy sector of Pakistan, you cannot plan perfectly, or you cannot even uh, uh, allocate your funds, allocate your resources accordingly. So we need to have a clear picture of what's, what's actually happening. And for that, we need to have a digitized grid, a digitized energy grid that can tell us what's happening in one, uh, in each part of the grid. So that's what we are trying to do over here. I would just like to mention one part that recently in my interactions with some European researchers, they have digital twins of their grids right now in their labs. So whatever happening in a particular household, if it's connected with a renewable source or not, they have it on their map in their lab. So they can, with one click on their computer screens, they can look at what's happening in a particular household. Uh, However, I don't perceive that this is going to happen very soon in Pakistan. Uh, However, what we can do is we can take some bits, uh, you can say small projects, install smart meters, collect digital data from those meters. This will help us create a clear picture of what is actually happening over there. And later on, what's going to happen is that we will have, uh, we will be able to plan, uh, share load forecasting. We don't need to go everywhere and at every point for capital cost and big power plants. We can have spending reserves coming in and we can do that with the help of the picture that we will have in our, uh, in our computers. So what we need to do is we have to have a digital uh, uh, imaging of our grid and I, I'm not saying that it's going to happen overnight. Obviously, it's not going to happen overnight. However, uh, in step-wise or phase-wise, uh, uh, you can say procedure or methodology, we can actually implement it. And once we have that data with us, we can plan. And now this is going to take a long time uh, while we have this data. So we we need not wait for that uh, time. We can uh, apply uh, the, the, re- the renewable policies, not only implement those renewables uh, integrated within the grid, and then also look at those resources which are more optimal for our uh, environment, for our solution, for our economy. So, not just it's not just looking at uh, the the grid in the way that uh, we need to incorporate uh, renewables and then come up with a very environmental friendly solution. Yes, this is one part of the picture. But, however, when we look at Pakistan's Uh, economic geostrategical position, then we need to see what is the best optimal solution economically for us as well. So this is from my part. I uh, I would like to discuss further if if some other point comes up. Thank you.
0: Okay, great. Thank you. So I'm very glad to hear that we've got some, um, you know, uh, centers, although I just put it out on the chat room and there's nobody from CompCert or NUST in the audience here. So that kind of takes the wind out of the fact that you've got these centers. It seems these people are not really interested in doing energy research, but we'll leave it at that. Let's go on to Mehroz Rafiq Saab. Mehroz Saab, um, you are chairman of the uh, associate with the NEPRA. Can you tell us what you are doing to promote energy innovation? And in particular, what I'd like to ask you Given what these people have said, that there is a we. So, NEPRA technically represents a we for us. So, where is the we? And I remember in the planning commission, I'll go to Shahid Sab last, I deliberately did that. Shahid Sab will tell us there used to be some energy planning, and Shahid Sab used to be a member of energy. And I think, I hope Bakas meets with us today. Bakas is here today too. He's doing some energy planning now. So, where is the planning function in energy? is there any or do we just continue to just say these nice things to please the donors but in reality we are just doing haphazard things like setting up coal plants randomly like setting up all kinds of things randomly
2: Bero, uh hello everybody and assalamualaikum and thank you for having me here and uh amazing presentation by uh, uh i think i think i've lo- uh, i've lost my video but i'll continue with the. Uh, audio. Uh, Before I say anything, I would like to give a different perspective to this uh, uh, conversation we're having here, like where it all starts. So energy policies all over the globe are designed to address the energy trilemma. There is a lot of focus that is being placed on achieving United Nations Sustainable Development Goals of late. And it is driving the need to bring innovation, innovative solutions to achieve the goals in time. The world, I think, uh, it needs to move forward from just uh, targeting to provide basic energy access uh, to the consumers of electricity. The energy access, it, it, it needs to be affordable. It needs to be reliable. It needs to be scalable. And it needs to be environmentally sustainable. These are the components that every country needs to look into. These are the components that the developing countries they're targeting now since uh, they, they they have uh, they, they do not have energy access issues with, with, with their consumers, with, with people living in their countries. And this is where the requirement of innovation comes to the table. I think innovation is not uh, just limited to the innovation in technology. We need innovation in policies. We need innovation in regulatory frameworks. We need innovation in financial models. And innovation i think i believe is an enabler it it is it it is making possible the technology the technological innovations the pol the innovation in policies the innovations and the new financing schemes they have made it possible for people to have a quality access to energy in areas where it seemed impossible and made no economic sense uh, for the government or the or institutions working on it to lay down the infrastructure, uh, ju- just for an example, and as, as Amr Saab has rightly pointed out, like uh, the the distributed generation, it is it it has it is doing wonders uh, in terms of energy access. You can provide energy access to people without uh, getting bothered with laying down the transmission lines, without getting bothered with uh, laying down the distribution network and uh, the, the other things related to it and i mean what what our government is doing what 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 is happening in pakistan in terms of policies and regulators regulatory framework i think the the new are policy it has set very aggressive targets and it's 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 a very right step in in my point of view there is new electric vehicles policy there is green financing policy of the state bank and the regulator uh, as as i work there we are working on microgrids, we are working on EV regulatory framework. We are working on energy storage. And I mean, the, the, when we talk about the impediments and what is stopping us from uh, achieving uh, all these innovative sort of uh, ideas or uh, working on these innovative ideas or implementation of these innovative ideas is, I think there's a lack of institutional and infrastructural capacity that needs to be worked upon. There is a considerable gap between industry and academia, and we sitting here is one of the reasons for that. We at NEPRA, as uh, uh, or uh, Nadim Saab is uh, was asking, where is the we? We we want everybody to participate. We want everybody to give suggestions. We want everybody to feel valued. We want everybody to come and participate in, in bringing this innovation in the power sector. I mean, just an example is uh, whenever we come up with the policy, whenever we come up with, with something that is changing in the regulatory framework, or even if it is a tariff in white public comments, and we expect everybody, I mean, obviously there are so many other things that uh, people working uh, as, as universities, as research centers, they have to look at, but I mean, On on our part, we are trying to make sure that we get ideas from everybody that get implemented and that get incorporated in in whatever the final result is. And then there's so many constraints at the ground level that uh, needs to be addressed, that need to be addressed. There are, uh, I mean, implementation level, there are so many issues. There are governance issues. And then there are issues with our distribution companies. I mean, innovation in technology that requires Involvement of literally everybody that is uh, a, a stakeholder in the policy sector, in, in the power sector, mm-hmm. and there is an issue with sector cohesion. The government organizations, for example, tasked with different assignments and different uh, sectors of the power sector, they are driving the power sector in 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 different directions. I mean, even if the direction is same. There is an issue with the pace and that is causing uh, a, a huge hindrance in, in the implementation of these things. And uh, as far as the, 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 the research and R&D is concerned, uh, I think I think we, we are way back as compared to the rest of the world. And uh, I mean, I can, I can give the regulators point of view on it. We are uh, trying to, we are, we are still in process and we are working on this very soon, inshallah. Uh, we'll be inviting the heads of the universities to come and sit with us, to come and create a forum that uh, that can help the regulator, that can help the power sector in, in moving forward with uh, the, the innovative ideas and to bring about a change uh, in, in the power sector, the right thing, the, the right change that all of us are waiting for. Thank you. That's I think that's that's all from me.
0: Thank you, Mero, sir. Thank you. Wonderful. Shail, sir. Now I'll come to you. Please sum up for me a few things that can come to my mind. First of all, this question of we. I think, quite frankly, there is no we in Pakistan. We are all individuals. Universities don't talk to each other. The Planning Commission divisions don't talk to each other. The Planning Commission doesn't talk to the Ministry of Finance. The Ministry of Finance doesn't talk to the AD. Well, they control everything. Really. So, I mean, quite frankly, who is this we, first of all? Secondly, you and I both know that the Cabinet or any nowhere... In the government is there any demand for research? Yes, they take a PowerPoint slide and it's government by PowerPoint, and after that, they forget it. Secondly, Shah, I'd also like to ask you a couple of questions. When I hear this thing about access that Amir mentioned, I'm sorry, Amir, I get very nervous. What does access mean? Does, does electricity or ev- anything for that matter, is it a right? Is it a universal right? Does everybody even if I live in the outer boonies and I'm enjoying myself, I must get cheap electricity? Or is it only a right for certain dense areas? And quite frankly, Shatsabh, nobody's talked about demand innovation. I think the innovation, the demand side too, everybody talks about supply innovation. What about demand innovation? And then it comes to another question that you and I have often talked about, but right now winter is coming and we'll be wasting gas like there's no tomorrow will be you know these heaters that when I go to people's rooms, overheated rooms, heaters blasting away, burning raw gas, I kind of balk and I said, this is ridiculous. How can you do this? Then coming to there's another issue that kind of bothers me. this EV policy, I hope we don't have an EV policy. Please kill the EV policy. Last time we not last time. we've had a few car policies and all the car policies have done is created an energy drain. I mean, I think fuel standards and the fuel usage is the worst in the world and our car policy has not helped energy demand at all. So I suspect when we have an EV policy, we'll again subsidize some domestic producer. Let me put it a little provocatively, is there an EV policy without Tesla? EV policy should be only one thing, get Tesla to come. Otherwise, there is no EV policy because even Honda, Ford, nobody can compete with Tesla. Tesla is a market leader and Tesla is the only one that has efficient electrical energy. Secondly, um, for God's sakes, there's another problem. EV also, there are studies to show, is not necessarily the biggest energy saver because you do still need to produce energy.
5: So there's a lot of stuff here that I I want you to unpack. Please, Shahid Sal. Thank you, Dr. Saab. Uh, First of all, I'd like to say that Mr. Amir Zafar Durrani's presentation opened my mind at least. Uh, This country cannot move forward unless we cut the the cords that connect us with the old system that is prevalent in Pakistan. Uh, That system will bring us down if we do not do that, and it will bring us down in two, three, four years uh not any more than that uh because there is no way that this country's economy can keep pace with the uh already existing contracts that we have entered into for 30 years additional 30 years from today uh when we look at what nepra is doing and what the ministry is doing uh, they're talking of uh, not even allowing the first step in the opening of markets which is business to business deals Uh, without business to business deals uh, and this is uh, not even distribution level this is just at the one megawatt minimum level where uh, uh, the the first step towards market establishment of markets takes place um, so there is going to be no market in Pakistan. Let's be clear about that. And uh, secondly, let, let me go back to uh, your question about uh, there being uh, a sharing of information or collective thinking on any policy matter, especially energy. Uh, first of all, the... Uh, there was a strong attempt when I was in the planning commission to have the integrated energy model up and running. Uh, I was not for it. And I was the one who shut it down at that time, with your permission, of course. um, Because uh, the central energy management or planning system, as we call it, died back in the 40s and 50s. Uh, we don't have uh, that sort of a control in the economy or uh, that sort of leeway uh, that you can uh, e- plan or do anything in, uh, uh, that is integrated. Uh, the ministries especially and the companies, uh, they are loath to share any data. And as far as... Uh, the universities go and these innovation centers go and so forth. Uh, I, I work for industry, and I can assure you nobody from any university or any um, of these centers has ever approached us uh, for any sort of collaboration or any sort of work on any uh, innovation in energy. So Uh, and these things do not happen in isolation, Uh, the uh, universities and the. uh, uh, People who are supposed to think and innovate have to work with industry in order to come up with new solutions that are acceptable to all. Uh, When there is no contact between the two, uh, how can there be any progress on that front. Uh, The. And uh, going forward, I had put together a few slides, they're redundant in the light of what Amir Durrani has said, but I'd still like to go through them. Uh, The next uh, slide please, this presentation covers some uh, key energy challenges. next slide. Right. Uh, We need energy. In the world and in Pakistan, that's abundant, that's affordable, and that's clean. I mean, these are uh, very, um, uh, how should I say, uh, mama-papa sort of uh, uh, goals, but this is what it boils down to. Next, please. what we are talking of is uh, we have a fragile economy with limited resources, and as a developing country, uh, we must find a way to produce and distribute energy. This is wrong. I don't think uh, distributed, uh, distribution of energy is any more uh, required. I think the world is changing, and the world is moving towards a solution or solutions which are uh, off-grid And localized. Uh, Next, please. Uh, As I said, uh, we are mostly going to off grid uh, energy solutions, solar power being just one of them. Uh, There are many others. Uh, And uh, next, please. Uh, Well, in Pakistan, we have a, a highly inefficient use of resources uh, we uh, use a lot more energy to convert one unit of energy into a unit of gdp uh, we our cost of power production is much higher than other regional countries uh, we have imbalances between the policies of not only gas and power but petroleum and other products we have uh, uh, a, w- a very bad usage of gas uh, which uh, is only available to say about 25 26% of the population and uh, most of the population uses the gas most inefficiently as i'll show you next next please uh As I said, uh, only 25, 26% of the population have access to pipeline gas and high energy consuming products in the market uh, are uh, the main ones are tube wells and all types of uh, motors and pumps. And then we have water geysers and gas stoves and uh, heaters, uh, which operate you know, at between 8% and 22% efficiency when the rest of the world does not allow or does not uh, have products on the market which are less than 40, 50% efficient in conversion. Uh, Similarly, uh, we still have metallic fans, whereas uh, if you build the same fans with uh, plastics, uh, they're uh, 40% more energy efficient. Next, please. Um, how do we get uh, to enforce some sort of an energy efficiency in the market in Pakistan? Uh, that the only way that I can think of is apart from raising prices to a level which makes it impossible for people to buy more uh, and burn it um, or use it inefficiently, uh, is that we control the products that are for sale in the market. Uh, like for example the old types of air conditioners which are not inverter made inverter uh, type technologies we should not allow them to be sold anymore Uh, similarly uh, we uh, the gas water heaters that we have we should just ban all geysers and go to uh, the the geysers that are uh, on tap or uh, which turn on when you turn on the Tap and turn off when you don't. Uh, you'd be surprised at the quantum of saving involved in that. Uh, the last estimate that I be, uh, that was undertaken by Sui Southern and Sui Northern back in twenty fourteen was they could save four to five hundred mmcft just in the water heating load, uh, which is basically half the LNG that is imported into Pakistan at currently. Uh, next, please. Again, uh, going back on this, uh, if uh, you introduce a better usage of energy uh, in all products in Pakistan, then uh, obviously there will be more disposable income, you'll have a better standard of living, you can afford to spend on other things also, uh, which currently uh, the state is sort of contributing towards through uh, you know, these uh, lifeline energies uh, subsidies and so forth. Uh, but at the same time even the higher end energy users in Pakistan uh, they are consuming all these uh, energy sources most inefficiently. Um, the next place um, again, We uh, need uh, improvements on the supply side, which obviously wind, solar, hydro, geothermal, uh, as well as baseload. And as Amir very rightly pointed out, we have to rely on an energy-dense solution, which is nuclear. For Pakistan, perhaps that is one of the solutions, uh, the least cost solution, if not uh, the most appropriate solution at present uh the long-term uh, solution uh, uh, you, you see you can't have a grid that is purely supplied by uh, solar and wind you don't have wind all the time you don't have solar all the time uh, and uh, you don't have storage obviously you can't have storage and uh, so you do need uh, base loads and you do need uh, some capacity that is available to offset when the other uh, renewable energies are not available on demand side are as dr nadine pointed out we waste a lot of energy uh, on the in heating and in cooling because our buildings are not designed uh, uh, they are not double glazed we don't have false ceilings we don't have uh, the standardized uh, sort of building which is energy efficient uh and and again uh, energy efficient buildings were enercon uh, which is now uh, converted uh, the name to nika the government has converted its name uh what uh, has had been pushing that for I think ages now, and I think there is a bill that has been passed by Parliament also that all new bills have to follow certain codes, but uh, in practice I don't see any implementation of those building codes. Uh, Next, please. Uh, Again distributed systems offer tailor made energy supply solutions at the consumer level Uh, and uh the decarbonized systems uh, which are the solar and wind and uh, also hydro uh, and nuclear to an extent. Uh, the uh, uh, these are required because we cannot afford uh, the greenhouse gases which are, raising the temperatures to a point where the weather is changing around the world. Next, please. Uh, we do need innovative uh, solutions uh, for energy, uh, storage, uh, and also uh, microgrids and community-based microgrids. And as uh, Amir Dhanani pointed out, uh, Pakistan has a long history of microgrid Uh, solutions up in the northern areas where in you know uh, these uh, villages uh, have collectively installed small heidel units and uh, charge you know two three four rupees a unit uh, to everyone in the pool and then that is used to service the facility or to replace it when the time comes Uh, and it works fine Uh, even today if you go into Gilgit-Baltistan, you'll have hundreds of such facilities, thousands in fact. And again, Pido has done a lot of work on this also, and which is very commendable. Uh, And uh, the... uh, I think that is the solution, ultimately, we'll all have to come down to. Because as uh, Ermina pointed out in the last seminar, that uh, the import of uh, solar equipment into Pakistan, if you just add that up over the last three, four years, it is phenomenal. And uh, the um, if that amount of solar is installed in Pakistan, it means three, four, 5,000 megawatts has already gone um, outside the grid or uh, off grid or uh, is partially contributing Uh, in the system directly to some of the consumers without them being, uh, you know, they also have uh, supply from the grid. But uh, since uh, the solar solutions only uh, supply electricity for a short time, they use uh, the uh, solar system to reduce the average cost of uh, electricity that is available to them. Next, please. um again distributed uh, smart grids uh, are the way of the future as far as i see and these uh, will come about whether we like it or not and the state will have to abandon the centralized system of uh, uh the national grid and huge projects and uh, 30-year contracts and ipps and rates of return and uh, Those are things of the past. And uh, as Amir Saab said, uh, in South Africa, the uh, circular debt is 10 times that of Pakistan. Uh, If you just go across the border to India, you can't even imagine how many more times the circular debt over there is. I think it's about 40 times the debt of Pakistan. And uh, this is something that people need to see uh that how are they going to address all countries will have to face this because you have redundancy and this redundancy cannot be charged uh to the future um this redundancy has to be written off in some manner or the other next please um we i have already talked about uh, these next please um uh, being part of the industry let me tell you that uh, what is happening in industry at the moment is that uh, they are f- uh, focusing on trying to get their own energy solutions <clears throat> away from the grid altogether <laughs> and uh, they are planning to install all the new plants in clusters which are totally not connected to the grid because the grid electricity is so much more expensive than what you can generate on your own. uh, That uh, it just doesn't uh, make sense to industry to have a connection from the grid anymore. And once industry moves away from the grid, uh, the grid is left with all the consumers who uh, are being cross subsidized currently by industry. So as a consequence. ultimately the grid is going to fail. Next please. Uh, Then coming back to uh, the uh, NEPRA, NEPRA holds these uh, public hearings on various uh, issues quite often. And I've attended most, uh, quite a few of them. And uh, in quite a few of them, I'm perhaps the only outsider uh, the last hearing that was held on the NTDC, uh, uh, I think I was the only person uh, who was present, uh, even though it was a, a web-based uh, hearing. Um, there were I was the only one who was not part of the NTDC or NEPRA or the Discos. Uh, I don't think there is uh, uh, that that sort of a. Uh, mm, a communal system in Pakistan which allows people uh, to come in and discuss and uh, uh, come to some solutions collectively. And even when NEPRA tried to hold a hearing from, for Karachi Electric, whether uh, they should uh, have uh, uh, exclusivity or not, uh, look what happened. Uh, the, uh, a certain sect. Sec- section of the Karachi society uh, came on to that uh, and, uh, uh, hearing and the hearing was so, suddenly called off and uh, uh, with no uh, conclusion and I don't think uh, NEPRA has become any the wiser for uh, having held that uh, uh, public hearing. So under these circumstances, I don't think uh, that uh, we are going anywhere unless we come collectively together and decide to write off what has happened in the past and start with a new clean slate and look at this, uh, what is going to happen in the future and what we need to do to address and be part of the future. Thank you. Thank you, Shahid, sir. I think that's uh, <clears throat> very well summarized. Let's come
0: down to this very simple question. Look, the one thing I've learned in economics for a long career is that ultimately, we must think in systems fashion. We must think systematically, systemically. We must think of a system as a whole. The energy is absolutely critical. Folks, raise your hands if you want to ask a question. I'm just now uh, getting ready to, ask, uh, to go to the floor. I'm just summing up until you raise your hands. So uh, unless we think systemically, energy is absolutely critical to human civilization. Energy is what has determined civilization. Our ability to harness energy is what humanity is is really the quest has been to harness energy and distribute energy and to make us an energy efficient human being. Two things that we've been trying to do, manage energy and manage data information. On, o- on both, we are failing. We have no good internet access in Pakistan. When I try and hold a web class, our students complain that there is no web availability. Forget the outer areas. I don't even care for rural areas. There's no web availability in Lahore, Islamabad, etc. Very poor web availability. Okay. Now the question is, where should we go? So to my panel, I'd like to... Uh, Shai Sab, you didn't um, uh, take my question on Tesla. I would like to take that up with Merusa. Merusa, please note that Can you have an EV policy without Tesla or are you creating another car industry that will take us for a ride for 40 years? Similarly, should we be subsidizing cell phones now because we are getting to the stage of subsidizing cell phones and therefore kind of creating a lobby that will? Nowadays, unfortunately, nothing stays still. Everything moves very rapidly because the world is innovating very rapidly. Pakistan is not. We keep talking about value chains, but I would urge you to consider we are not in part, a part of the innovation chain. We try to come into the value chain at the very bottom of the, of the barrel, you know, where things are not being innovated. We are making t-shirts and we think we are part of the global value chain. No, we are not. Global value chain is an innovation chain and we are not a part of the global innovation chain. We cannot have an EV policy without Tesla. I'm going out on a limb again. So please comment on that, folks. Another thing that I'd like to raise, Amer and shahid and Amina, I'd like to raise this with you. Are you just telling me that we should do this? Or one thing is, hey, guys, go for growth. Just let everybody have the opportunity of doing what the hell they like. Make a mess, but grow. Unfortunately, what you're trying to do is, you guys are trying to put too much we in here. Therefore, all of us are trying to think as a we when we should be thinking in the market fashion where I'm thinking of me, you're thinking of you and I'm thinking of making my profit and you're thinking of making your profit. And let the, Let's get on with that bloody thing of making a profit before we think of uh, you know, doing this we. The we thing is the government and the government as we've seen is totally incapable of doing this we. So I think this is something that we have to really do. The second thing Shahid Sahib, you said there's a bill on demand. I don't see anything on demand. I still can't get double glazed windows in Pakistan. I have to get the most horrible windows in Pakistan. Every time I come to the US, just like I've come here today, I can see I'm sitting in a house where energy is very little used. I've noticed that the air conditioning system comes on very seldom because it is an energy efficient house. Our building standards are totally energy inefficient. Besides Shahid Sab, if we are going all the way from Lahore to Islamabad in a sprawl, can you have energy efficiency in a sprawl? We are now making a river Rabi project which is going to take Lahore to Gujarat, and Gujarat is extending to Gujarat, and Gujarat is extending. So, basically, Lahore to Islamabad is one city. So, is that energy efficient? Our cars, are they energy efficient? I mean, I think you guys are just spinning a story for me. In reality, we are going to remain energy inefficient. So, Shahid, Sahib, hold it. Just hang on. Uh, Bring in somebody here for, for, a, for one thing. We are like, in a, energy I'll come back to all of you. Shahina Nisar, go ahead. Anybody wants to raise your hands, raise your hands now. Later, don't come in. When i have closed, then don't come in. Then you crib and complain. Shahina, are you coming in?
7: Yes, yes. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I am really encouraged to hear um, all the speakers. Um, and in the end, uh, Mr. Shahid Sitar, who said they are forming their own energy solutions. And I used to wonder what is going to happen to this country. Um, I live outside US, I worked in other countries and I worked (laughs) on different things actually Um, and you know as far as um, um, and I I believe that energy has a big role to play for development and uh, growth and I think uh, uh, this is the biggest Costly factor uh, for manufacturing and all that, and um, I think it's very really good. My response um, to uh, to you, Nadimul Haq, on access. I think access is. I think that should be something which should be a driving force for all sections of societies. Um, I have a brother who said, you know, I have installed solar panels so that, you know, I could not, you know, so that my house could have electricity. And then, you know, energy conservation is very important. I know that the World Bank had been trying to promote energy efficiency in buildings in other places in Pakistan in the whole supply chain and the demand side, conservation on the demand side. But I don't know, the government has never been interested in this uh, energy efficiency. Um I would like to congratulate Amir, but Amir, um I worked on a project in Laos when norm 102 was being um you know appraised. And at the same time there was an a rural electrification project where you know I did the economic appraisal of solar powers, power system. My question to all of you: um I've also been interested in environment, and we have this National Determined Contribution, NDC's report. And when I read the NDC report, I was really, a couple of years back, I was really, really uh, disappointed to see that, you know, coal still holds a big role in the energy planning of Pakistan. And um, uh, there is no, um no, Is there, and then I hear many small manufacturers and others, you know, who are contributing to solar energy in remote areas and they are having their projects. So, my question is Is there any organ, any institution in Pakistan who are keeping a tab and quantifying the contribution of, uh, you know, renewable energy, excluding um, hydro? Um, How it is contributing how it's expanding and what role it's going to make i think we need to look at the visionary aspects and look at the big goals and have a vision that by a certain year the country will have you know a certain level of achievement in terms of different policies thank you so much thank you thank you Shaina ijaz ahmed minhasa
0: Jasmine, just go ahead. Go, sir, ahead. go ahead. Unmute Kernley Yapneapku Chalegi Boley.
8: Sir, unmute subniari. Jasab,
0: uh, we can't hear you. Can you? Can we? No, we can hear you.
8: Go ahead. G. Can, can you hear me? Gigi, we can go ahead. Uh, in Pakistan, we see that government has established energy departments at provincial level, but they hardly work for any energy innovation projects. The, the important tangible innovation they did is the upgrading the post of Secretary Energy Department <laughs> to the level of additional Chief Secretary Energy <laughs> Department. Uh, I, I will put my question to the whole panel. How the mindset of major stakeholders, that is people working and bureaucrats working in the energy department and political rulers can be molded Mm -hmm. to work for energy innovation projects in the country and also to formulate workable and useful public policy in this area. Thank you very good yes, I, I i have to answer
4: this question if
0: you allow me exactly one yes, sir. i'm coming back to you just one second actually i think quite frankly i'm coming back to all of you i think everybody's raised this wonderful issue about mindset the secretaries in the government have their own mindset the researchers have their own mindset as NTDC just said they've been approaching researchers, they don't want to come in, as I said, they don't want to do research with NTDC, we um, try to invite them, they don't want to come to webinars, that's a subset, they don't want to work with industry, so researchers are not innocent, researchers also have a mindset issue. Same thing on the policy policymaking side. Same thing on the industrial side. Industrialists also don't want to talk to us. Nobody wants to talk to each other. So Pakistan is a huge mindset problem where I go back to Ahmed Durrani again. There is no we here, Ahmed. There is no we here. The we is only the, in the minds of people like us. Even the donors who make our policies don't want to sit with us. They don't want to talk to us. They want to make policies on their own sitting outside and hiring. I don't know who they hire. They don't even know Pakistan. But then they make policies for us. So this is a huge conundrum. We don't want to have growth. We want to protect industries. Like we are going to protect the EV industry. We're going to make electric vehicle that will run for 30 miles and then stop and then they'll charge like um, they'll charge at a rate that will be um, absolutely um, uh, prohibitive for us, but yet we subsidize that industry and then we we'll wonder, oh my God, the circular debt went up, went up again. So what do we do? So here Amjad I'll bring you back in. Go ahead, answer all, any question that you like.
4: Thank you, Rani uh, I appreciate the question, Mr. Uh, and I've been through the wonderful presentation from the, the panelists. And uh, one thing they uh, talked about uh, different sort of innovations uh, and the processes and technologies. But I think we should acknowledge this fact: we are expecting too much from the system, which is already at the rock bottom, touching the rock bottom. So, uh, one big question, if you asked who are we, so uh, very bluntly and frankly, uh, listen that all the researchers, all the technical and technological people, even the incumbent chief executive officers and sector in charge are not the we. So, excluding this, what is left, is the we. I will give you one uh, brief example of my own tenure as a CEO of ADB. Now, at my time, We were touching the figures of 1950 uh, megawatt, first time uh, in Pakistan. The resource mapping was in place in all the provinces of Pakistan. Now, uh, the uh, solar standards were already approved uh, by the government of Pakistan, adopted by So it was a takeoff stage and mainly because of the policy vehicle was available. So on one good evening, the we people decided to scrap that policy and go for the new one. And the sector in charge, CEO A D B sitting very mentally saying, don't go for that, that is a catastrophe. But somebody else is taking decision to scrap that policy and go for the new one, which is devastating right now. I believe the new current renewable energy policy is not going to ignite any response from the investor side. So the question arises who is actually taking decision? Who is actually recommending the decisions before certain decision makers? And these are the we people. So one key critical reason behind we are not catching up with the things is the uh, 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 decision-making process, which is not very structured, which is not professional. And somebody is taking decision on behalf of some whims or that we don't know. This is the situation. Uh Ija sahab has raised the question of provincial government. So let alone my friend comment is this, that when provincial governments are not uh, doing their job in providing the food, cloth, shelter, and basic amenities to people, how can we think about energy? How can we think from the provincial government to provide The energy to the remote communities and even the connected communities in the urban areas. So we are basically too much. The system in Pakistan uh, comprising of our policies, our institutional setup and our political decision backing is not allowing any energy innovations, any new trends. It's basically discouraging. Previous years we experienced in Punjab the formation of corporations to handle different things like municipal services, solid waste management. But in the end, what happened, we scrapped everything and we are asking the, 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 the position holders of those uh, organizations to uh, return the salary uh, because you are taking too much. So, and under this system, who is going to uh, take decision? So I my uh, point of view and my take is this, the current institutional setup, your bureaucratic setup and your political decision making, are incapacitated, are insensitive towards introducing any change, and we should not expect too much, unless we have a drastic changes, structural changes, to make things go over. Thank you.
0: Well put, well put. So you're saying basically the government is just not capable of taking decisions, has no capacity, has no process. Very
4: Unfortunately, good. unfortunately.
0: Wonderful. Who else from the panel would like to go? Sure. Amina, sure. Would you
4: go?
3: I mean, I have me? to... So I'll just make a quick comment before I uh, depart. Uh, I just wanted to say that, you know, all the uh, the discussion that was had today, every issue raised by each panelist was important in its own right. Um, however, I have to say that we've conflated several issues and uh, innovation, the way it's understood typically energy innovation particularly, uh, relates primarily to technology. Um In fact, innovation generally in any field uh, primarily relates to technology, and although there can be policy innovation, but in its typical sense, innovation relates to technological innovation. Um, In energy, our innovation capacity is limited, as it is in many other scientific fields. That's just a reality of our country. We're a developing nation with limited resources, so until we're at a point where we can innovate our way through all our current problems. It's uh, not a bad idea um, to adopt whatever innovation already exists to at least um, address our, short, our issues in the short term. So for instance, uh, commercial and technical losses, line losses are an immediate problem that need to be fixed in the near term, in a couple of months, uh, not even in a couple of years. And for that, there are technological Solutions available that can be adopted immediately. In the medium term, I do agree with Amir and the others. Uh, there are um, options such as microgrids or localized grids uh, that one can look at or that the policymakers can perhaps look at. However, microgrids, especially for um, urban centers, are not at the point where they can be adopted at scale. So imagine a city of the size of Karachi. Adopting microgrids or cutting off from the grid entirely, that is a process that would even under the best of circumstances, with unlimited resource, resources take a significantly longer time than the time horizon I'm talking of, or the time horizon that is available to Pakistan to address our most immediate problems um, and then one reason why electricity is so heavily regulated all over the world is because. It's uh, traditionally treated as a commodity that should be available to everyone at a reasonable cost. However, now since renewables have made it so affordable, even in an off-grid setting, uh, lesser regulation is uh, not only an option, but also desirable uh, in many circumstances. So with that, thank you again for inviting me to speak and um, I'll beg, uh, leave now. Thank you so much.
0: Okay, thank you. Thank you very much, Hermina. I think quite frankly, we have to challenge ourselves a lot more in terms of thinking about the solution. One thing that I will not take, I quite frankly do not agree that we are a source poor. I think uh, last year's Nobel Prize winner, Paul Romer said, And I think I agree with him wholeheartedly with my classmate. In fact, we had a common teacher, Robert Lucas, who said that poor countries are not resource poor, poor countries are idea poor. And I think that's our biggest problem we are idea poor. Before I go back to the panel, I'd like to bring in Adil Najam here. Adil Najam, you're watching silently. You've been working on climate change, you know energy. Please tell us who is the we here and this business about policy and, you know, can we make good policy? Can we be innovative? Can we research, Adil Saab? I am very pessimistic. Sir, uh, you always do this. May I, just,
9: I am a prowler. I just come here to learn because my other alternative was watching TV. And but the you danger with your things is that I one might learn. Get away with uh, so this option is better. I, I'm here to learn. I really don't. Um, and I haven't... Um, I joined a little late, so I might have missed things, but thank you so much. You're always pessimistic, so we're on the side. But there is a V problem. I do think there's a V problem, but I think there is also a me problem in in the sense, uh, so allow me, allow me again, I might have missed, people might have said this. In a way, uh, you mentioned this point. I am always very surprised And from a outside perspective, energy seems to be underpriced in Pakistan. Because if it was correctly priced, you not have windows. Good point. we have a fashion that we priced. If high priced, we wouldn't be wasting it. We are not only one of the most energy poor countries in the world, we are nearly certainly the most energy wasteful country. I believe our ranking is Saudi Arabia. Right? In terms of productivity. So in some ways, I think the energy producers have become too much a part of this. And in some ways, I'm not a Chicago man. Thinking on this one, I think the market ought to be given its own fair share. Because uh, the behavior just doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't make sense to me that all the people who crib about pricing are using it so wastefully. And wastefully, I don't talk about the environment. I'm talking about efficiency, right? Energy is essentially a unit of it's a currency. It is an economic input and it depends what you get out of it. So if I am choosing ke main air conditioner, because hai, wo ki hai na. it is wafer thin. And it is not a technological problem, then essentially what I'm saying is energy is too cheap. And the other thing on this is again, I'm going out of my realm. There are people here who know the economics better. I can talk about, better, but allow me, allow me this. The other thing is subsidies. I, I think subsidies. Uh, I have as I have grown, and again, I'm not a Chicago man.
8: Mm-hmm.
9: Subsidies are a bad idea in general,
8: mm-hmm.
9: and a particularly bad idea in energy. This one of the worst idea policy ideas in my lifetime was, we will ensure your profit. Hmm. We will ensure that we will buy energy at this price. And what had started as a peripheral idea and has become in so many countries, the central idea is just a recipe for a rentier economy. So that is my little rant for this. Now, as far as the environment is concerned, I'll give you my one line and then leave it for others. On, On that, I am very clear. My... My argument for solar or wind or others has got nothing to do with climate anymore. Hmm. They're just making sense. It is like, would you choose if I say that iPhone or hmm. landline? Lagani, which one would you choose today? Hmm. Show me the person who would say I iPhone, nahi lena, mujhe zara landline and MP4 ki cassette player. Hmm. And that is what we do with energy when we do coal. Coal is a redundant Dying dead technology. Look at every graph everywhere in the world and it shows it is coming down. The only people who have coal is ke ke hai. So, because the investment is there, it will run out. So in a way, the leapfrogging argument is just a simple one. The, I keep saying last, this will be the last, but the thing that I cannot boggles my mind is that the cost of, uh, cost of renewables in Pakistan does not make sense. If Spain in, in Spain, your 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 renewable is cheaper, if in Saudi Arabia it is cheaper, if in Abu Dhabi it is cheaper, then, then coal. Then when someone says in Pakistan it is too expensive, either they are lying or there is a corruption in, the, in in the middle of this. There is some place where something is being taken out because it just doesn't make sense or Hamara cost structure uh, is is different. So between geothermal, it is not just wind and solar. I I am quite convinced that most of the people uh, or many of the certainly young people on this call will be getting their energy from drilling a hole in the ground and getting geothermal. There will be a whole host. We are going back to a place. There was an interim of about 150 years when we had one source of energy called hydrocarbon which was so wonderful that you could put it in a box, you could put it in everything. Now we are going back to a place where we will have Mm -hmm. 10 different sources of energy. We will still use oil. We'll still use a little coal. We will use, we are already, everyone carries a battery in their pocket. Uh, we will have uh, solar for certain things. We will have wind for other things. It will be an energy mix. And that's where the great question comes in. But uh, sorry, you, because you sort of um, surprise attacked me. Uh, my
0: my comments went cogent. But it you. is always good to be here and uh, there. As, uh, so uh, as people can see, Boston and Chicago agree on good economics economics is telling us very clear signals. Now I'll come back to you. Sharsabh, before I come back to you, let me take the Tawseepur Rahman, sir, from NPDC. He wants to say something. What's Tawseepur Rahman, sir?
2: As-salamu
10: alaykum. Can you hear me? We can. Hear alaykum, everyone. Can you hear me? We can. Go ahead. Uh, As-salamu uh, alaykum. Basically, I'm a deputy manager planning in the Power of Department of NTDC. we talk about that the renewable is very easy. Look, it's okay, it's in Spain, it's Ground realities in Pakistan are that at this time, the last solar tariff that NAPRA has given. And there is 8.7 last time और कोल का जो है वो 7.7 सेंट टैरिफ है जो कि कोल का अभी नेपरा ने दिया है देखिए अब ये जो बात है कि फ्यूचर में जाके आ, सोलर और विंड जो है वो बहुत सस्ती हो जाएगी ऐसे हो जाएगी अगर आप 94 में देखें जब हमने जो आईपीपीज की थी ना आईपीपीज पॉलिसी बनी थी तो उस वक्त भी यही सारी बातें चल रही थी कि जी तेल तो बहुत सस्ता हो जाना है और ये पानी से भी सस्ता हो जाना है आप लगा लें and mm-hmm. uh, I'm not against renewables, उनका a considerable energy share आपके energy mix में होना चाहिए, लेकिन इसके साथ साथ इ, it brings you uh, uh, another big cost Because इनका जो capacity factor है, जिसपर कहते है 20% या hardly 30% है, जो भी बहुत efficient जो uh, solar और renewable plants it means कि you उसके intermittency को meet करने के लिए आपको एक कोई coal के कोई भी reliable जो प्लांट्स हैं वो भी आपको साथ-साथ जो है ना वो चा, आ, आपको चाहिए होते हैं तो अगर आप उसकी कॉस्ट भी साथ शामिल कर ले और जो पूरी दुनिया में ऐसे होता है कि जर्मनी में इस वक्त जितनी रिन्यूएबल्स की कैपेसिटी मौजूद है इंस्टॉल कैपेसिटी उतनी ही इंस्टॉल कैपेसिटी उनकी कन्वेंशनल सोर्सेज की भी है जब नहीं होगा तो आप uh, कि स्साारी दुनिया ने कोल्स के अपने अपने लोकल कोल से फायदा उठाया है पूर इस इंडिया से लेकर चना यूएस सब लोगों ने इसका फायदा उठाया और जब आज उनका कोल खत्म होने पर आ गया है तो अब वह रिन्यवल्स की तरफ गए और हम अभी जब कोल यहे दुनिया में ग्लोबल वार् हु यहे पाकिस्ताने तो नहीं जब हम वो कोल अभी तो सिर्फ हमने एक प्लान किया है जी सीपी के अंदर और उस इतना सारे एनवायरमेंटलिस्ट सागे The हैं कि जनाब पता क्या हो जाएगा कोल लग जाएगा तो ये जो जितना ग्लोबल वार्मिंग का है ये पाकिस्तान ने की है ये हमने नहीं solar है तो हम किस बात के हम مجرم ہیں اور ہم कोल استعمال نہ کریں ہم کیوں نہ और हम कोल so, <mahean> mm-hmm. indigenous source key upniak value, hai, energy security ki apne ek birth. So, can so, mm-hmm.
4: so, uh, sh- 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 m- I just pull in
0: stuff? One at a time, one at a time, one at a time. I'll call you in Amj. Ameir Durani, go ahead. So, thank you very much. You know, I wanted to uh emulate
1: Ermina by saying Jaldi Jana to I let me speak. So I'm finally going to do that. If you allow me, <laughs> um, I, I welcome Adil here. It's always good you know, having him here. And Adil, don't speak what call. Let me open the comments and answers very quickly, the five I want to give by explaining to the gentleman from uh, wherever, NTDC, et cetera, saying that, you know, please go back to Adil's example on uh, mobile phone versus landline. So I mean, if that is the choice, then actually, the, we should never allow mobile phone to come to Pakistan. But I don't want to waste time on a basically an inconsequential We You're
0: going to get there. <laughs>
1: Nenny, but sir, uh, it's an inconsequential question, so I think let's keep it to innovations and right, how we are. Right, so right. I will answer, Madim Sab your questions, the V versus me. So basically, you see, look at what we are trying to do here. Um, the, the first problem with V versus me in Pakistan is that basically, uh, even in a stupid country, well, not stupid, but let's put it the power poorest country, uh, you and I have been there in 2014, not needing nets everything the policy made goes to the legislature, no matter how rigged the legislature is. Pakistan is the only country where I see technology policy policies being done at a cabinet level. And once they have the PM nod, you know the famous question, the PM nod, there is no debate either by through a referendum or through uh, something Well, you know, at the legislative level, everything is kept between a few minds. And that's really where the we need dilemma starts. And I think on the question of markets versus, and I think I'm neither Boston, neither Chicago school. I'm a, a very uh, lowly uh, Texas Longhorn uh, graduate. So I will just say, for me, uh, the question of markets versus the chaos, you know, the organized stuff, is really in having organized chaos. What we mean here is that basically, I find all your debate about saying should we. Let everything get dirty. Should we pay all the right price? I think that's not it. And let me give you an example on this. You said, Amir, what do you mean by access? Should government be giving uh, cheap luxury to everybody no matter whether they live in the boonies or not? No, sir. The definition of access today is not the traditional Mm -hmm. provision to all. It really means having policies to ensure affordability and sustainability. That is very different from saying, it is my right to ask the government sitting in the middle of Chitral to have an exit. okay? I think the other thing on basically uh, the, what you had asked about, uh, I think we are all confusing in the same uh, realm, this question about public goods and private goods. And I think Irmina called it commodities. I think the question of public and private goods does not exist anymore. World Bank itself and all the red goods institutions have befuddled it since they started paying for public toilets. Right. I mean, so the question is you can either do that, but ne- let me just actually c- conclude here that you know everybody is really again talking about immediacy. Let me tell you, Nadim Sad, the entire point of my presentation on innovation was simply to say that this whole discussion on immediate futures is befuddling and confounding future thought on energy. Really, that's the that's the bottom line. Irmina leaves by saying. I have been hearing this if Rajat was here for at least the last 21 years, right? Shait Sattar will vouch for this. I mean, what the hell? All I'm saying is for once, let there be a sunk cost analysis on killing all that we have and having an open debate about really doing the paradigm shift to something new. Otherwise this conflict-ridden and incestuous debate where we invite the consumers, producers who are basically incest-oriented. Uh, we always call the IPPs and sorry, Shayat, uh, Aptima and all those. I mean, no, let's have a public debate around this and calculate that if today we let the power sector debt run amok and we basically say we are not going to pay this, what is going to happen? And let's not ask the donors for this funds. Let's do this math internally in our assemblies through a referendum. Thank you, sir.
0: Good point, um, Omer, good jee. point. Go ahead, Jish.
4: I'll
0: Amjad, let Amjad go
4: first. Ji, uh, I appreciate the question of uh, Adil-Sahab. Adil-Sahab has rightly pointed out that solar and winds are not cheap anywhere, and also in Pakistan. So I'll tell you this, the early projects were at the uh, 14 cents, 15 cents, solar and wind. But now the latest tariff are 5 cents and low 5 cents. So, solar is also, uh, it, I think, the lowest it, 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 it right now. So, uh, below 5 per, uh, cents per hour. and same is the case of the way. Joe Sawal, I appreciate these questions because these questions are the common misperception about the renewable energy. Okay, go for the coal, go for the uh, indigenous coal, and take a share of 20% of your electricity mix right now. Do it. Renewable is not competing with this. Right now, the renewables anticipated target for Pakistan is 30% by 2030. That's not going to be achieved. But the target is already 30%. For next 70%, you go for the hydro, you go for the coal, who is stopping you? But not the imported fuel. Because with the imported fuel, you don't have control on the prices. We have energy experience in this country. At initial start, time, the LNG prices and parts of fuel price was very low, but subsequently it snowballed and now tariffs are unaffordable, continuously being unaffordable. So, you should keep these things in mind that when you to fuel, you have capacity payment price, which you, you don't have, price control. You to call, you don't have price control. So, to pass item, to so renewables actually compete with coal, which we are struggling for at least a minimum share of 30% when we have a resource potential higher than Germany and Denmark and they are going for an 80% share in the electric mix. They are not mad. This is what I told you, that if spinning reserves are to happen, so, I have a little bit of a has been studied. And I think it was 4 years ago, in which for 5,000 megawatt you just need the spinning reserves of 400 megawatts gas hydro renewable more stability in terms of the prices of renewables in future than the and the thermal projects so these misperceptions i think we should eradicate from our minds and 2.7 trillion dollars invest
0: भी भी ये, ये था था Thank you, कह रहे हैं quite frankly, it's चाहिए a चाहिए ये ये सवाल जरा इसको कनेक्ट करना चाहिए थैंक यू थैंक यू जी बट आई थिंक क्वाइट फ्रेंकली इट्स नॉट अ air Karna, to demand to Jo demand we are wasteful of energy. All our cars. I have a Honda in Lahore and I have a car here. And I can tell you the difference in energy is huge because we have invested in energy poor cars. So please, Yenna I like the Adil Najamin it's not a Chicago analysis I point out again it's a Boston analysis. shuts up Adel is absolute height. Our energy is too bloody cheap. When I go to my friends' houses they have two two air conditioners in the bloody living rooms right? They waste gas. What the hell is happening here? Should the energy price not be 25 30 rupees per, uh, per unit?
5: It already is, Dr. Saab. I mean, I don't know whether uh, why you're not current on that. I mean, you paid a bill of 70,000 rupees recently. I know. <laughs> I don't think it is 25. Uh, Adil Saab uh, said very rightly that uh, why is the cost of power in Pakistan, <laughs> in these projects, so high as compared to other countries? There must be something in there. Uh, Adil Saab, first of all, I mean, the coal plants, for example, the Sahewal plant, we've got at roughly nine cents, when the entire world was doing six cents.
2: Uh,
5: similarly, every technology that we have inducted and we have, where the state has played a role in some form or the other has been priced at at least 50 to 100% over and above uh, the world market. So, uh, I, uh, I mean... Put two and two together and uh, make your own conclusions. As far as uh, uh, new, uh, uh, why we are inefficient in our housing and in our cities and so on, is fundamentally the same question that you've already, already, always raised, Dr. Saab. We need to move up rather than sideways. and. Uh, um, and as we had calculated when we were in the planning commission, uh, cities that are vertically um, uh, dense uh, are 40% more energy efficient in conversion of energy to GDP. Um, uh, I mean, it's there is simply no comparison. Uh, look at the commutes involved in uh, going from one place to another. Look at the uh, Uh, You know, the houses, the uh, the roads and the infrastructure that's required uh, for these spread out cities, we still haven't learned our lessons, despite uh, even India, I mean, if you go look at the new uh, projects in India, they're all vertical, there are no new bungalows being built there. Uh, I don't know why we as a country cannot look at these things. And uh, as far as the availability of double glazing and this and that goes, the double glazing was available in Pakistan 20 years ago. But there were no takers. There still are none. uh, Because your energy is priced so uh, ridiculously.
2: Oh. let's go on. Um, Can I answer uh, one of the questions? Go ahead. So I would just touch upon the EV policy question that uh, mm-hmm. you, you raised. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> I think the, 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 the biggest uh, motivation behind bringing EVs was to control the uh, transportation uh, sector's uh, carbon emissions and uh, getting to charge your cars from the grid and then driving those cars. So, I mean, there was a point in time in China, like driving an electric vehicle, was uh, more polluting than uh, driving a vehicle with 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 the diesel engine because uh, most of their energy was electricity was being generated from coal. So as as uh, in as as far as Pakistan is concerned, so there there are a few things that we need to look into when we talk about the energy policy, elect, uh, EV policy, and one of the things is fixing our generation mix and uh, obviously the policy. I believe if it is there so there is a process regulator has to come up with the regulatory framework uh, to follow it up but i mean ideally the policy should not just come from the ministry of climate change it should be coming from different departments participating and owning it and we should not be creating a mess we should be creating a market for it if if we ever could and uh, i think that's th- these are
0: the few things that we look need to look into when when we talk about uh, the EVs. But my uh, problem is EVs. domestic production, or technology the technology standard fuel is Honda, Ford. Tesla ke compete kar they, there is inefficient EV technology and good EV technology. Tesla has the best EV technology. If you're going to invest in low-grade EV technology, <clears throat> I submit you're going to entrap us in the rent-seeking policy that has
2: entrapped us in cars too. or is you And I think these are the things that need to be covered in the policy, which are not. Hey so then we are setting ourselves
0: ourselves up for a fall that's, that's, part, that, what, we, that, that's what i'm saying ev policy banani hai. the best thing is elon musk thank you very much you mashallah have been very kind let me go to miss uh, dr sobia beg dr saiba do you want to say anything last words
6: uh, I just want to uh, add here that uh, we've been talking about a lot of technologies, and again, coming back to innovation and uh, accessibility and affordability, uh, we can go for microgrids, even nano grids for our rural areas where our distribution go- costs can go low. And we can create or generate electricity at the point where it is needed in our rural areas and areas where there is no access right now. So this is one more more, uh, point that I wanted to make. In addition to that, that we need energy and and, uh, efficiency and conservation. Uh, This is something which is actually critical uh, at this point where energy efficiency measures. We are always very wasteful of energy. And uh, if we apply and uh, adopt some energy and en- uh, efficiency and conservation me- measures and add uh, to the cost uh, that we are paying, uh, not only uh, in terms of monetary costs, but environmental costs, our resources, uh, our efforts uh, depleting our resources. So uh, uh, why don't we go for uh, such small solutions so, where oh, lights oh, turn oh, on
0: oh, when oh, you- Please give me a defense of the research academics in this country. I submit, again, I'll be a little harsh, deliberately so. <clears throat> I submit our academic sector is very lazy. For the last 12 years, we've had a huge energy crisis, and our academic sector has done nothing about it. There has been no study, no research coming out of our academic sector. <inaudible> from the academic
2: sector.
6: Well, I I own part of it. Uh, I do. I do own the fact that we have been working towards such research goals, which uh, do not have practical implications or applications for Pakistan scenario. Uh, This is something which is quite true. Uh, I I would own uh, uh, the the responsibility for that. However, uh, I believe the fact that it's not all our own fault we again i would like to point out that uh, synergy hogi between industry, between government and between academics. Hum academics even we do not have the labs, uh, if you frankly ask. Mm-hmm. So we do not uh, need uh, to work alone. isolation. So that's that's one point again i would like to make a synergy chahiye, industry, ke saath, government ke saath, and academics ke academics. Uh, if, if uh, approached, I, I am sure they would uh, be forthcoming in this particular aspect. Thank you. Great.
0: Good, Ji. Thank you very much. Anybody else who wants to say from the panel? I'm not going to take any more questions. Anybody from the panel wants to say anything? Fine. questions' You should have raised your hand earlier. do you want to say anything to sum it up?
5: <laughs> the only thing that I can think of mm-hmm. is... Uh, that we need a dialogue on uh, how to deal with the mess that we've landed ourselves into. Because if we don't deal with this, this is an existential problem for Pakistan now. Uh, I mean, the overhang from the uh, what we have done over the last 20 years has, has come to a point where our very existence economic stability is at stake for the future. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Okay, do you go ahead, Amjad Sab. and then Marosa, and then we close. Hamza sir, right. Hamza Right.
4: uh yeah. has pointed out regarding the prices in electricity or power side in Pakistan are not so high. So uh, let me tell you that on record we have that in terms of the cents and uh, uh, currency retired uh, in the region we are 30 to 40 percent higher side. Okay, the next is cheap for whom? Okay, in your urban areas or in the rural areas in any territorial jurisdiction you pay one thousand or two thousand rupee to meter leader and you will be given the cheap electricity. But that cost will be included in losses and these are losses are bulged into. The huge uh, sort of mass of uh, subverted. So, right now, I will would, would quote one figure. Previous year, the TMD loss, its cost in Pakistan was around 352 billion. And let me tell you, out of that, 300 billion were already included in the debt. So, that's a real problem. The inefficients are enjoying and who are competent, and ultimately, the, the consumer who is paying all this nonsense in this country. So it's, Lexity is cheaper for those who actually pay from the other gate, the wrong gate, and who are actually paying electricity expense for them. But now the loss is being integrated in the whole mass of supply rate. That's a huge problem. And now we see the 2 trillion rupees of the loss, the uh, supply rate right now. That's another benefit.
5: Thank you. you. just like to add, just like to add one thing, sir. So what is apparent uh, to everyone is the line losses in the electricity sector? which are double those than the average in the world. What is not not apparent to everyone is the gas losses in the gas sector, UFG. The UFG is uh, something like eight to nine times more uh, than the average of the world. And uh, our UFG in terms of gas losses uh, is worth uh, many, many times that of the electricity losses but nobody seems to talk about them. And uh, this is uh, a a black hole where uh, we currently also now have a 350 billion rupees circle debt in the gas sector. Uh, And uh, I mean, we just cannot continue (laughs) energy policies any further uh, the way they were. Adil, did you want to say
0: anything? Adil Najal?
9: Yeah, thank thing. you. I, I know main, I'm not a panelist, but since you allow me, but I'm very grateful, I do. I don't think that that I don't think that argument makes much sense, frankly. But interesting thing interesting conversation we used five different units of cost of energy use. Ki. So, in some ways, साहब ने कहा कि जी नेप्रा का is. है मैं रोज ने बताया कि जी कॉस्ट ऑफ प्रोडक्शन ये है determined साहब ने Market your real profitability price determine and it is such a managed system. My head is such a managed system. That is why you manage system. You will have loops as many people have said to take away, away some part When you load shedding peak, every Pakistani turned into an energy provider. The Amir was a energy generator. The Amir was a generator. The Amir was a generator. The Amir was a UPS tha usne apni energy demand curve ko change because the supply curve had been changed. So, what I'm saying is, I think in society there is a lot of energy resilience as well as ability. And on this one, unlike many other things, I think the market needs to be made freer. Uh, policy needs to step back uh, by keeping some safeguards. Lakin over determination has, has not served us well in the energy sector. So Boston
0: reluctantly accepts Chicago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, no, reluctantly. last words to you.
2: I think it was, it was uh, a really wonderful uh, thing for us to talk about uh, energy innovation at last, finally. And uh, <clears throat> I think uh, renewables ke baare whenever, uh, that everybody's talking about, apne khud bana rahe. we started from 14 cents. Now we are at around three and a half cents. Uh, for wind and solar, and with with the market opening up in future, with CTBCM competitive trading bilateral uh, contracts market coming up, uh, there is not much that uh, we, as people who think we control uh, the electricity sector, can do. And the market is going to determine its future by itself. And the, the cheaper sources, the cheaper. Uh, methods, that, uh, the, the more profitable uh, methods they are going to make their way in and uh, there, there's a lot of hope for renewables, there's a lot of hope for new uh, uh, technology, there's a lot of hope for innovative solutions towards ending what is happening here so I think it's I mean, we should end it at, at, at a good note thinking and hoping that uh, things are going to fall in place with, but but we should not uh, stop working on it. We should be working double as hard as we are right now. With uh, I mean, I, I can uh, guarantee one thing from NEPRA's point of view and from from uh, as representative of NEPRA that we are uh, gathering uh, information right now, and we are very soon going to call all the stakeholders. We are very soon going to call all the universities, all the researchers to come and collaborate with us and uh, work a solution out for whatever. We are planning as, as as Pakistan's government as Pakistan's policies they are uh, dictating us to do so uh, I mean it's it's there are a few good signs and we need to uh, look at them in in a way that uh, we get motivated uh, to do something good for uh, for the country as well and obviously one more thing that nobody's talking about and there is a need to talk about is to jack up the demand because I mean just 10 years ago, when you uh, 20 years back, when you used to land in Karachi, it, it used to be uh, a, a city of lights. But now, when you land, it's like a light here, light there, light here, light there. So, people are forced, there is suppressed demand, discourse, they are not giving connections to people. The, the change in mindset, that, that, the innovation, one of the uh, uh, things that innovation can bring is change in mindset of the distribution companies. That is, I mean, obviously in, in, in the market, that would be a lot different with when we have, uh, we'll have suppliers and retailers. So <clears throat> currently at present, when, when you're giving a connection to, to a consumer, you're like, okay, but uh, this thing needs to be changed and people should be encouraged. It's a business. You're earning money out of it. Uh, so you should look at it that way. So that, there's there are a lot of things that we need to work on, there, and one of them is the mindset. Mindset of regulator, mindset of policymakers, mindset of consumers, mindset of generators, and mindset of everybody participating in the sector. So I think that's that's that would be it from my side. Yeah, thank you, no, sir. Uh,
5: Doctor. Just one last word, sir. Go ahead. Uh, how can you have a competitive market if you've tied up all the supply for, for the next 15 years in long-term contracts with fixed take and pay? I mean, I am totally uh, at a loss to understand how CTBTM or anything can make a difference to that. Uh, we cannot have a market unless we break our ties with the past.
0: Good. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a good note to end it. Mero <clears throat> has absolutely uh, gave us a very positive note and I Appreciate that the that NEPRA is going to open up, talk to people, try and develop a consensus. I think that's excellent. The regulator should do that. <clears throat> Shadab is right that if we tie ourselves up in the long-term contract, but the central problem is this: we are a transactional people. Go back in history; Jahangir had this famous bell that you rang, and you know everybody would get justice because you rang the bell. Okay, fair enough. Now. Jahangir, as we know, eventually ended up losing out to the Brits. Why? Because the Brits had research, they had Newton, they had the ability to think through things, they had the ability to develop laws, they had the ability ability to envision. We are still sitting in a transactional state. Energy is short, run, make something. Oh, now energy is too much, run, do something. Oh, we lost energy. This has to end. That's what all of you are saying. That's what Amir is saying. That's what everybody is saying. Unfortunately, we cannot be a nation because we haven't become one. We are still bickering. Gujaranwala to Jahandar to Islamabad to whatever. There is no central thinking anywhere. Neither the political parties, nor the army, nor the bureaucracy. Nobody wants to think. Everybody wants to go in a transactional mode. So, Marosa um, is right that once somebody gets a connection, it is really a favor from the state. It's still the Jahangiri state. It's not the British or the institutional state that we're looking for, unfortunately. Key thing is, can we get the government to behave itself? I wrote a book and a central point was, can we get the government? Can we reconfigure the government? I know that's a central problem of development, but unfortunately, we can't. Can we go for growth? No, we can't. I'm now convinced that, honestly, we as a people don't want growth. We are quite comfortable and happy where we are. With all our inefficiencies, and you may t- tell me that we should do this, we should do that. Hey, guys, we are the people who sat on, on BIA. felt is closing down this October 31st. God knows what's going to happen. Our assets are thrown to the wind all the time. Then we say we are resource poor. We are not resourceful. We are imagination. Poor. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Great seminar. Really enjoyed it. Inshallah, we'll take up the subject again soon. We won't give it up because it's an important subject. As Shah Sattah said, it's a lifetime. Thank you. All the best. Khuda hafiz.